Welcome back to the Unscripted Health Podcast. This is part three of episode four. So it's kind of like leading into that, it's like it's been said that that old saying is like, whatever you're looking for is probably right in front of you. Mm-hmm. How does the mind not see it if it's right there? So then we're getting back to like the RAS essentially. So we have to consider how limited we are subjectively and our ability to experience our, our you know, our environment uh, in life in general, like we are very physically limited, not only in how much information we can process, but also how much we can physically take in. I mean, the same way there are, there is light, there are wavelengths of light that are outside of our visible spectrum. Like infrared is a good example. Humans cannot see infrared with our eyes. We can't, we, with the naked eye, we cannot. And so that just as a small example, but it's, we experience a very, very, very tiny fraction of our reality as it actually is. And so considering that, that is why we have things like the Arias to control what things we actually notice. Because, and granted, we also have other things beyond the Arias. We, we have filters, uh, metaprograms, everything. So that all essentially will dictate and filter the information as it comes in. And the reason that we have this is because, again, we are limited in the amount that we can process and just even purely in the amount that we can take in. And even the amount that we take in is too much when we consider especially conscious processing, but even processing in general. We have to prioritize what we are actually focusing on. And so because of this, we, we want to recognize this partially because we know, you know, the point is not to increase the awareness and our perception. The point is to control what is included in our awareness and perception. We don't necessarily need to get more information. We just need to get different information. We need to make sure we're getting the right information. So that leads right into the next thing. Is like, what are some, what do you think are some of the important habits for a high functioning brain, body, mind to have? Because with that, we need to create focus or perception or awareness of the things that are going to bring us the highest levels of function in the body, highest levels of function as far as health and wellness. So, I mean, there could be a hundred, but what do you think are some of the most important habits or patterns to develop to have a high-functioning brain, body, mind? Um, well, there would be there would be thousands. Um, and I would definitely say some of the most important ones are, essentially, you have to consider what is what would life be like if at this moment you had a high-functioning body, brain, and mind, like... What if you had that already right now? What would your habits be? What would you be doing on a daily basis? And and also, I would say, I would specifically mention, because this is something that isn't always obvious, what are your mental habits? Beyond just like, oh, I have a habit of going to the gym, or I have a habit of eating these certain foods and doing these things at this certain time. Be like Beyond that, more subtle, what are, what are your internal habits? What are you, what are your habits when it comes to thinking about things and processing emotions and processing information and events and you know those again like we mentioned are are huge because all of those habits and patterns essentially collectively will control the way that you interact with your environment uh, internally and externally which is then going to help you get to a high functioning body essentially so to have some of those i mean some of the biggest ones will be you know how what habits do you have when it comes to processing a negative event or, you know, of course, a perceived negative event? What is your process for doing that? Because not everybody's is the same. 
Some people are better at it than others intuitively. And if you know, for example, that you know you may not be very good at that, that would be something to look into. Uh, huge, like the basis of NLP, for example, is modeling. Modeling someone who is essentially the epitome of excellence when it comes to that specific thing. Not just they're good at it, they are the best at it. You want to be able to get to a point where you have modeled the habit and patterns of someone who is the best at doing at doing a certain thing. So in this example, if it comes to processing a negative event in a way that we would consider healthy, where it does not impact you forever, years and years down the line, and even in the short term, you are able to process it efficiently and quickly and and to be able to get all the information out of it that you need so that you limit the amount of time that you experience the negative emotional state, which will then reduce the, the physical and psychological stress. And also help benefit the fact that you then, in the moment, have avoided developing baggage. And so to do that, you want to model somebody who is very good at doing that. And which is why even like in NLP, we have specific models and, and methods for creating certain changes. Those came from modeling people who were intuitively exceptional at doing these things, like processing negative emotions, for example. So... I would at least say some of the most important habits are your ability, have to do with your ability to function in the lifestyle on a daily basis. Because those are the things that are going to, that I would say are probably the number one thing that would fight you in the process, process of getting from where you are now to getting to the point where you actually have a high functioning body. So the things that deal with your, um, how you process emotions, how you, uh, your unconscious rapport that would be like number one because again it's gonna it's gonna be how you're really gonna make these changes in the first place uh so build uh rebuilding your unconscious rapport um and as well as your habits for because um, again although it sounds kind of funny you have to think we have a pattern and strategy for everything a habit for everything including making habits you have a habit and a, a specific strategy for making a new habit that would be potentially something to look into. Maybe not huge, but if it if it's something where your strategy, for example, does not include enough criteria to uh, for creating habits, you may be creating habits too easily, where you don't essentially you don't internally have enough of a of a, a list of essentially a whitelist to only allow certain habits to become developed. And you may be letting certain things through too easily, which means you may be developing poor habits really rapidly, and then which we don't really want because that means in the long term, again, like we've talked about, it is much harder to change the habit, especially with a normal approach, than it is to just create one in the first place. And that would just exacerbate the problem. So I would definitely say to keep it really simple, the most important habits for a high-functioning body to have, a high-functioning body, brain, mind, is really uh, um, highly effective habits for dealing with emotions and highly efficient habits when it comes to how you interact with your surroundings, aka your behavior, the patterns for behavior. So that's what I think would be the most important because those will be, those are usually the number one thing that get in people's way. So It's excellent. I think it's actually something that hopefully people have not replayed this because those things uh, are things I think they can help change your life, make changes, make things easier, improve some things, and get you on a road where you can uh, create higher levels of function in your life, in your body, 
in in your mind. And I know that's important because of what we deal with all the time is is when people have chronic illness and significant illness, and they're saying, "Well, I just want to fix this. I just want to fix this," and which most of the time it's very doable. But like we're talking about uh, right now in this episode, is it's not going to be something that you can attain if we don't address the mind, if we don't address the habits, and so that's really important. I think one of the last things, topics I wanted to go into uh, tonight a little more in depth is um, the topic of change. I know it's been something that's been uh, discussed, uh, engaged in in centuries, is how do we change? And we've already talked about a few of these things, but I know how did we get here? When a person looks and says, "How how did I get to where I'm at? I mean, what is it that got me to this place? And I would like to maybe make some changes in habits or patterns. I would like to have a, a higher functioning body, a, be in a different place. Um, how is it that they go about that? Okay, so how is it that essentially you create the change? How is it we create the change? So, okay, so essentially we need, then you need to break down what is your primary concern or primary concerns. There's usually more than one. Um, this this is kind of taking the idea if we're trying to make a huge systemic set of changes to really get that to go we need to start with the things that are that need the most attention first because as we start to get those first of all when we when we start to create these changes in the first place uh, a good example is like releasing negative baggage when we're when we're doing this this process in and of itself is already creating change and is oftentimes the first step for people um, because it's usually the highest priority. It usually has the biggest hindrance on their development and progression. Um, When we release it in and of itself, it again, um, not only is it releasing that and and creating positive changes and removing um, negative triggers, which will help again, even just in a day-to-day and especially when it comes to doing things differently than someone has done in the past, it also will increase unconscious rapport, which then will make everything else easier down the line. So each thing that you do, by starting this, each thing will increase unconscious rapport because the body is now recognizing that you're doing something in its interest. And through that, it will start to trust you a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And so through that, we want to be able to come from what is highest priority because each thing that we start with, the bigger the thing that we start with, obviously we'll have the biggest jump in the beginning. That accelerates the process. And so essentially getting that priority list, oftentimes it is usually baggage first. Uh, it's, it's the one thing that can have the biggest impact on somebody's ability to create positive changes um, because it's usually the number one thing that will get in their way, especially because oftentimes it is completely uncontrollable. Uh, as far as like conscious control, people have a hard time just consciously choosing not to bring up their baggage because it's it's a trigger. It's not a decision necessarily in the moment. It's a trigger that happens. And so sometimes you, they, they may or may not even be aware of. So that would be, you know, usually I would say that'd be one of the first things that you would want to change. Um, and to do that, um, we like in NLP, I mean, we have specific processes to help you do that, um, this this comes into um, uh, timeline therapy, 
and specifically like the ones um, the methods that I use are uh, branch off and uh, development from timeline therapy so it's not the classic version it's um, been developed and improved um, and but through those we have processes specifically to help people rapidly release baggage that they've had you know their entire life um, and so we we have specific methods for doing that in general uh, like an intuitive way of doing it um, easiest ways first of all like we mentioned before modeling you know if you're trying to make a specific change I mean really try to find somebody that has already made the change and it could literally be the simplest option if you don't I mean granted you can always of course try to get access to someone who has methods like this um, through NLP or, or something similar, right? And, and try to find them to help help them give you a specific dedicated technique that will rapidly accelerate how fast you can make these changes. Um, but it doesn't mean that you couldn't do it on your own. You could do it intuitively. Um, it just means that, you know, you kind of have to, you have to really rapidly and drastically increase your self-awareness I mean is, is probably one of the biggest things because if you're not coming in with a specific method that you know will work and works very well and you've never created this change in yourself before that means you're working from scratch and that means you need to it's like learning a new skill I mean this is this is a skill it, when people learn how to do this intuitively it's a skill so you need to be very very self-aware because you need to be able to pick up as much detail as you can while you're trying to do this that will help you actually learn and develop a strat essentially a pattern a strategy a set of patterns uh the skill in and of itself to help you do this so i would say like essentially to create these changes like you need to have a level of self-awareness and an intention with where you're going because again we like i mentioned before you have that perfect blueprint which means your body and your unconscious mind are predisposed to wanting you to go towards this positive direction, which means you don't necessarily need to fight them on that. The only thing that you would potentially fight are patterns that you've developed that sit above them because the fact that you've given those patterns priority over what the unconscious and what your body knows is best. So if you change your mindset, again, coming back to mindset, like if you change your mindset to be focused on what do I know will help me get to my goal and you become really, really honest with yourself and it help really increase that self-awareness, build rebuilding that unconscious rapport, your body will help you in the sense that like you will start to be able to rely more on things like a, uh, a gut feeling and what feels right. And also then through the higher level stuff like changing certain habits, it will get easier because of the fact that when you set the conscious intention of making this change for the purpose of becoming healthier and actually improving your function overall, it will, it will start to get easier and easier as you do it. Uh, but doing it intuitively, again, is something you have to build up over time because you have to think about how many years you've been degrading this skill now you have now you're essentially starting from less than ground zero you're starting below that because you have to rebuild the trust uh, essentially between you and your own body because the fact that you've you've perpetuated these negative habits for so long so people basically if they don't pay attention if they're not paying attention it's possible that they make changes and if i put it this way i say without their permission Mm-hmm. Or they've allowed it without their permission. They've cha- made changes in their lives that bring them disease. 
right. and and unhappiness, and they're not, I don't want to say aware or perceptive of the full, maybe broad scale or environment of what's going on there, and therefore they allow this to happen, and then they get sick, mm-hmm. and they could avoid that. So some changes are so easy. And some seem impossible. So my point here is, why is it that some of them seem impossible? So, uh, so it can be you have to consider as well. Like, this is, I would say, one big thing is willingness. Uh, this is definitely something to do with willingness as well. Um, how willing are you to create a certain change? And somebody could say like, oh, you know, it was so easy for me to make that one change, but now when I'm trying to you know lose weight and change my eating habits and my you know, my fitness habits and that kind of stuff, it's just so difficult. And usually, like, the first thing is, obviously, baggage. Once we get that out of the way, um, first of all, I mean, hell, technically speaking, even to just get that out of the way, we need a certain level of willingness. Like, you need to really want this. You, you Again, because the unconscious won't do anything without your permission. So if you're telling it, like, oh, I want to make this change, but you're really just saying the words, you don't really wholeheartedly want it like you really want it there's some doubt or hesitation that's not it's it's going to be difficult i mean that's not really what we're looking for because in that in that situation your body is again going to fight you because you have told it in the past that the patterns that you've developed that have led you to where you are right now are priority and so if you come in with something new and you're like kind of iffy about it kind of on the fence the body's gonna be like no 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 you didn't tell me, you told me that I cannot change this unless it's something better. And right now, and your body will have the perception like, I don't think you even believe that this is better because of the fact that you're on the fence about this. If your love for sugar came, I mean, granted, there's a, there's a chemical addiction factor to this, but just as an example, like if, if, if you're, you know, when you became a, just addicted to sugar and you love sugar you love your chocolates whatever your milk chocolates whatever it is um your candies when you created that you i bet you you wanted it you wanted it really bad and so now when you're trying to change that and you're coming in you're like well i know it'd be good but i mean i really do love it like you that you are very on the fence about it you don't seem very convinced that this is better so in that scenario, why exactly do you expect it to be easy? Because the fact that, well, I mean, in business, this is a great example. If somebody, if you have an employee that comes to you and they're, and you ask their advice because they're the specialist in the category in, in whatever they're working on, you don't have as much experience, um, but you know, they're coming to you because it's what they normally do to get permission to do this one thing or start this project. And you're like, okay, you know, what's your opinion? Do you think that this is the direction we should go? And they're kind of like, well... Yeah, I mean, I really, I really liked how we were doing that other thing before. Like, if they if they came to you with that with that kind of presentation, I don't think you would be very convinced that they that they even believe it's better. And if they're the specialist, if I was in that position, I would be very nervous. And so that is the position your body is in because it's the thing that is essentially like, uh, um, like you know, it's in that position of not necessarily as a manager but an operations manager because it deals with all the operations in your body necessary to get you to the goal. And so if you're presenting it with something and you're like, oh yeah, it's kind of good. I think we might want to go this way. It's not going to make the change. 
So you need to be able to have a complete commitment and willingness to create the change and do whatever it takes to do it to really get to that point where it seems easy. So like in, in things that we're really curious about, for example, it's very easy to make changes to adapt and, and uh, to something that we're curious about. Whether that means to give us more exposure, to change our perception, to change our mindset, to learn new skills, like they come very easily because of the fact that we are personally fully invested in that thing because we're curious about it, um, and and especially if we're passionate about it. So that I think would be the biggest difference between the examples of when you're like, well, I made this one change, and it was super easy, and now I'm trying to make this other change that I know is better for me, but it's so difficult. Well, first of all, make sure that you're completely willing to make the change. That would be the first step. Then it does get more complex because you can have that willingness. And then now we have to make sure we remove any blockages that are preventing you from creating the change that you want to make. And now that then comes in, of course, to baggage. And then on top of that, if you have an overwhelming number of patterns that are in place that are going to try to push you back in the direction that you came from... You're going to be, you're going to be fighting those unless you go in and change them in a way that, you know, again, like, cause they're all like, they're all like that, that habit example that I gave. Um, you, you cannot expect to easily and effortlessly change the habit by approaching it like the first time because you already have the habit now. Now you have to change it. You're not creating a new one. You have to change one that's already there. So it, it does get kind of complicated from that point, um, but I would definitely say the one like most obvious hindrance would be willingness because none of that stuff matters. No, there is no technique. There is no method or process that will be able to, do, to create this change for you if you're not willing to do it. It's the same thing as like a hypnosis or NLP or whatever. I mean, it's which I tell people, you know, I as a practitioner, if I'm helping you one on one in coaching, I cannot inflict the change onto you. You have to be willing to do it. I'm not doing. I'm not making the change for you. I'm simply walking you through how to do it. You learn it as a skill, essentially. All the methods and techniques that I would take you through. It's just you can learn how to do it essentially on your own. It's it's incredibly beneficial to have somebody like myself in the position where I can help you through the process and guide you through it to keep you essentially um, on the right path, um, and. Yeah. And also, you know, to make sure that I can I can help you get to the right perception or and sometimes the right mindset to help you actually create the changes. But again, if you're not willing to do it in the first place, there's nothing I can do to make that change happen. You have to do it. So, I think that's key. I, everyone everyone can need a coach. I know, as I could say, or a leader or someone to help them walk through the path and create these new opportunities. I know we do that here. I always. Tell, I, I try to always encourage clients and patients to say, you know, I've done this for 34 years and why are you going to try to redo or start something that you don't have the experience or don't understand or don't know? How about letting us lead you down a path, show you, give you the tools you need to make it happen? And like you say, I'm not forcing it upon them. I'm giving you the information, the tools and things necessary for you to create that in yourself. And that's the change. And I know with people, some people say our body has a fail-safe. It's about 90 days, give or take, but it's right around 90-day cycle where if you're going to do something, make a change, you need to be sold on it 
100%. You go through and do that 90 days, the body will allow what we call permanent changes, long-lasting changes in a direction. So I guess as we come here and start to close, uh, what's the, if there's anything, a few steps, just to reiterate for people, a few steps someone can take to improve their ability uh, to change, what would be like a few steps they need to do like today, tomorrow, to help them create this change within their mind, body, and an effort to have higher functioning health? So I would definitely say it would be um, practice essentially making promises to yourself, even like really, really small promises to yourself and follow through with hyper consistency. And because again, the point of this is to rebuild unconscious rapport. And that is absolutely necessary if you want to be creating changes, especially if you're not, if you don't have somebody like a coach to help you through it. And even even when you are working with a coach, like they, the the point of even the stuff that I do is why well, I try to do it in a process and in an order that helps me uh, that helps me get the client to a point where they can rapidly and efficiently build unconscious rapport again because it's required to make these changes. So I would say making little promises to yourself of like even very, very little stuff at the beginning and following through again with hyper consistency, like as in you never fail to follow through. And granted, if there, if you, if the first example that pops in your head, you're like, well, I don't know because I've tried that in the past and I didn't really follow through. It's too big. Go smaller. And so if, pick something that is super tiny and super easy. Start with that and build it up over time. So as you're doing that, you keep following through, you get the fulfillment, first of all, of being able to follow through on a promise that you've made to yourself of going in a better direction that you've gone in the past. And then from that, move up to bigger and bigger and things increase in the unconscious rapport as you go and it will start to actually accelerate and build up even faster. And then you'll, as you do that, you will get to the point where you'll be able to do things like, you know, I'm gonna wake up at 7 a.m., and I'm going to do it. No alarm. I'm going to wake up and you'll do it because the fact that now your body's actually starting to trust you because it's, it's starting to see that you're following through with things that you say that you're going to do and things that you know are better than what you've been doing in the past. So I would say that's probably the easiest thing that anybody could do right now is pick something really, really small. And again, I mean, very tiny. It could be this, you know, maybe Maybe it's something like, you know, I don't drink enough water, so I'm going to start really small and I'm going to put a glass or a bottle of water on my nightstand and I'm going to drink the whole thing in the morning when I wake up every day. It's very easy. It's very simple. It's kind of hard to forget um, because of the fact that it is right there next to you in the morning and just make that your one small thing and that is all you do right now is just that one thing that is your sole focus of your life right now as far as creating changes is just doing that one thing and when you start to do that especially because the commitment that you would, that you put into it if that's your sole focus as far as when it comes to again making positive change that in and of itself will help be a driving force to accelerating the process of building, rebuilding that rapport because your body's going to start to notice your unconscious mind will start to notice how committed you are to picking the better option. And so 
as you start to do that, then build it up over time. Now you have it on your nightstand, you drink it every morning, okay? Now you're going to have a bottle that you take with you and that you can refill throughout the day and that you can drink it more and you're going to make sure that you drink at least this much in the day and then increase over time to a point where you need it to be. And, you know, and then now we're going to switch to other habits and patterns that we want to change. And this goes again for mental habits as well. If you know that every day you come home and the first thing that you tell your significant other is how crappy your day was, that is a habit. That is a pattern that you have that is not healthy. You need to change that. Part of that, it, you know, again, is your perception. It's the reason why what you're only really noticing is the negative parts. That is a perception thing. But that will come as you start to change what you do in that pattern in and of itself. Like I said, start small. So if you're doing that, really, really small thing, easy thing to do is also verbalize this with your significant other because they will help keep you accountable. Um, but verbalize it then be like, okay, when I come home, the first thing out of my mouth has to be something positive about my day. Just the one thing, the very first thing, one thing has to be positive. The instant you do that, I will bet you, you will start to notice a difference in your perception. And as you do this, it will be one of those things that you can build up more and more and more over time. And it will start to increase that rapport and limit your stress, especially considering what that is. And, you know, these little things. So very tiny little promises that you make to yourself that you're going to do and you follow through with hyper consistency. And yes, you might make a mistake. You might forget one time to do it. Or whatever it is, something changes, a certain day is completely out of the normal pattern or habit, uh, and all of a sudden everything, you know, is exploding, things are on fire, whatever. Then I would then really reinforce the point that if you're going to, if you mess up, the one thing that you should be concerned about is don't do it twice in a row. Because that is where people fall off the bandwagon. They start eating really, really well, and then they mess up one day and they cheat. And they fall in and they give in to the, the craving or whatever it is. And, you know, they buy ice cream or something. Um, you know, it can happen. It will happen. It may not be that extreme. It may be more extreme, but it will happen. And I would definitely really reinforce the point that even when you're making these little promises and like I said, hyper consistency, commit yourself to it. And if you make a mistake, don't make it twice. That's if you make it. a mistake in the moment... Make sure the next day you are right back on it. That's excellent. I think it's important to, uh, uh, along with that, to throw in that the body's way that it's made is it's very aware of and it's very perceptive of consistency over perfection. Mm -hmm. I always tell people it's more it's a it's more important to be consistent than it is try to be perfect. Because the body recognizes patterns of consistency. I think it's so great. There's things here. Um, I want to thank um, Alexander for bringing us some information here and having this discussion on the brain body. It's where it starts. It starts at the top and everything goes downstream. I think if you haven't and this is your first, make sure you pick up and uh, the first few episodes as we build upon this on how we obtain a high-functioning body, high-functioning wellness in life. Uh, Alexander's uh, information will be in the notes in the end uh, to the podcast. I would sure look it up and consider this because it all starts with the head, and it's important that we have help. Uh, appreciate so much, everybody, tuning in. You can send in questions or things if you'd like. Uh, thanks for being a part of Episode 4, The Brain.
and high-functioning health, and we look forward to seeing you in Episode 5.